0: Hello, I'm James Fitzsimons and welcome to The Career Scoop, a podcast all about career progression, advice and experiences aimed at assisting those who are in career transition themselves. My guest today is Brian Desmond. Brian is Executive Vice President, Head of Fund Services at Horseshoe Group. He is in charge of the group's fund administration operations and responsible for all business development activities related to fund services. Brian was one of the principal founders a director and COO and CFO of Horseshoe Fund Services Limited, formerly Iconic, a fund administration company acquired by Horseshoe in 2016. Brian has over 25 years of fund administration and audit experience, and prior to setting up HFSL, Brian was the Bermuda Country Head at City Fund Services Bermuda, where he was responsible for overseeing the fund accounting and shareholder services, audit and nav preparation for global clients. Brian is a fellow chartered accountant and acts as a director of a number of offshore fund companies. Brian, you're very welcome to The Career Scoop.
1: Thank you, James. Thank you for having me on. And uh, I think what you're doing here is uh, very interesting and, and very useful for 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 a lot of people. So glad to take part.
0: That, that That's great. Now, we're both located in Bermuda for this podcast. At great expense to come across to see you. So how did you get to Bermuda? Why are you in Bermuda? I came
1: to Bermuda in 1998, and it's actually a little bit of a funny story. I had a good friend that worked with me in, in, the, in a small firm, an accounting firm in, in Kilkenny in Ireland, and he, he had gone to Bermuda before me. And uh, so I called him up and I said, Pat, what's Bermuda like? And he said, Brian, well, during the week you work, Friday evening, you have a few pints, and Sunday you play rugby. And he said it's the exact same as Ireland. It wasn't the kind of, it wasn't the answer I was waiting for, to be honest. Um, but he he was he was a man of a few words, and he then he uh, he said that it does have a bit of sunshine as well. So I basically followed him when came over here. Um, at the time, it was a bit of a tough time because my father had just recently passed away, so it was a bit of a tough decision. To, to make and to leave and you know leave your family behind. But I think that is a decision that sometimes people need to make. You need to actually look after yourself and do what's right for your career. So at that point, it was quite a tough decision. I came over in 98, as I said, joined Ernst & Young, and uh, it was an, 18, an 18-month contract. Um, so did not plan to stay for a long time. I was intending to work the 18 months and, and go back to Ireland. Um, and then my, you know, I can go into the detail after that, but that's how it started. So I ended up with Ernst & Young, uh, following over one of my mates that I had into Kenny and, uh, it went on from there.
0: Wow. Bring, wow. Bring, give us a quick overview of, of, from there. Cause I know you've had great success recently. Uh, so, yeah, overview. so,
1: so, so I started off at Ernst & Young. Um, I thought it was great to get the big four experience, um, cause I was working with a smaller firm in, in Ireland. Um, although I think it's a great grounding to get to work with a smaller firm because you do see um, the full story when you're working with a smaller, a smaller group. But went to Bermuda, worked at BNY, it was a great, great experience. And after about two years then, I, I ended up getting an offer for a job in fund administration, and that's the industry that I've been in ever since. Um, fund administration, you know, it's doing the accounting and back office, um, work, including investor reporting for, for hedge funds, basically, and you know we act as the independent party where we will calculate the, the, the net asset values and then report that to the investors. So that's just a quick summary of what fund administration is, but I got into that and I've been in that ever since. And so after Ernest & Young joined the firm, ended up working for Citigroup, and then By 35, within about, uh, by 35 years of age, I was the country head of Citigroup in Bermuda. And uh, so I was was being quite successful in that area. And I think the big turning point, James, was in 2007, when a few of us decided to form our own firm to to take the entrepreneurial approach. So that was a big, that was a big decision and that was a tough one, you know?
0: And, And how did that play in your head? Uh, you know, like you're you're in a secure job, you're doing well, you, maybe you've started a family and then you say, I'm going to jump off the cliff. I mean, there's, you, know, you run numbers, you run projections. So what was the final? Let's just go for it.
1: Yeah, it was, a, I guess, looking back, it was the toughest decision. I remember, you know, talking to myself so many times saying, I've got a great career here with a great, you know, with a great company, with a, with a very large company. What am I doing going out on my own, starting a new, a new firm? And I guess, I guess it was something my dad said to me before. It was kind of sometimes he, he regretted not taking a risk and, and sort of going for it. And uh, it, I was lucky, though, it made the decision easier that the people I was going with, I really trusted and respected. So I think that made the decision um, easier, even though it was very difficult. Um, but Looking back, it was the right decision. And I think, you know, that's what I would encourage people to make. Not always it's the right decision, but there was a few things involved. It was the right people. It was um, an opportunity that comes around. It doesn't come around very often. And you've got to, sometimes you've got to recognize that sometimes those opportunities will not come around that often. So I took it. And uh, ever since then, I've been glad I did that, you know.
0: And uh, any funny stories in the first year of startup? You know, you know, obviously, because you've got to get your first clients and then you have you got fixed costs and that juggling between do we have any money in the bank account to pay the bills? Oh, that's well, actually that's a
1: good <laughs> that's a good question. It was for us, it was about breaking even, right? So we wanted to break even in those first few years, um, which was a goal of, of any of any new company opening up. Um, I guess it was tough time as well because we started in 2007 so 2009 everything everything fell apart um as in the the global markets fell apart in 2009-10 so we had to we had to adjust to that um you know can i think of of a of a funny story offhand that we that we did um not really, other than we had to have a sense of humor because we did just start after two years and then the then the, the global economy. So you had to be around people that that had a good sense of humor and said, look, let's get through this together. And we, and we did, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, I remember one of our other guests, I can Ryan sharing a story from the early days of Ryanair that um, they had no money. They, they were broke, broke and broke. And there was a plane to take off in Waterford at the time, oh, dear. and the uh, they hadn't paid the fuel bill. So the fuel company blocked with a tanker the plane from taking off. So the pilot, <laughs> the pilot from the cockpit had to hand down his uh, uh, credit card to pay for the fuel.
1: Oh my Lord, now that, no, I don't have many stories like that. We, we did have a, we did have a, we were lucky we had a, uh, a private investor that helped. So can't say that I do, I do have a, 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 a funny Bermuda story that might help say the 20, the young people that maybe heading to Bermuda. It was, it was when I was working with Ernst and Young, it was my first, first job that week. And I was, I was asked to do a stock take and it was a stock take involving counting motorbikes, scooters. And I counted, I kept counting 97 green, green bikes, but the client kept counting 90 bikes. So we had this discrepancy of seven bikes. So we kept going around in circles. We couldn't agree on this number. And then we finally realized that I was counting seven red bikes when they were green bikes. And I am colorblind between green and red. So, so, so I had to explain my colorblindness to the client. You know, He wasn't very happy at the beginning, but he, he, he got over it after a while. Well, you know, some of those little things that you, I remember just, it was being my first week, but you know, little antidotes, right?
0: But he'll never forget you. I think he told that story a lot over the
1: next 10 years. That's great.
0: <laughs> and, and you've recently, so- the, the business has been sold, am I
1: correct? Yeah. So just to go back. So, so we started our own firm and then, um, as I said, there was rocky times in those, in those few years, um, I think you've got to be ready to have those rocky times if you set up your own your own shop. Um, we then, but ten years later, we, we stuck we stuck through it. Great team, um, fantastic people, and yes, we ended up uh, selling our business ten years later. Um, actually, ended up a couple of in, in, through a couple of transactions in the end. Um, so everything, yeah, it was a successful venture in the end. Uh, very happy, um, but I don't think. You know, when I look back, it was all about the people you were working with. You know, I'll mention, you know, I always mention it's, it's, it's all about who you surround yourself with. Um, if you can surround yourself with complementary skill sets, um, it's, it's, it's a great advantage. And, you know, for me, that was if, I, if I'm thinking of a high in my career, that was definitely the high where you start something on your own. With a, with a, sorry, not on your own. You start something with a couple of people and you go through the highs and the lows and then you actually make a success out of it. You know, that's, there's, there's nothing that can beat that from a high, you know.
0: Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going this. Uh, am I right that you had a, a slight name change en route?
1: Oh dear, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we did, it's funny, we started our company and it, we called it ISIS, uh, I-S-I-S, and ISIS actually in uh, is was the Egyptian queen of, of, of um, fertility. So it was actually related to a charitable organization. It was a very positive uh, name and a positive thing back then. Uh, later on, it obviously, I won't get into the reasons, but it became less positive. Um, but, you know, it's funny, people have done People have done uh, their masters on that on our particular example of a name change, where you built up a, a good company and you've had to change your name for outside reasons that you had no control over. So it was an interesting time, um, but yeah, <laughs> nothing we could do about that. But yeah, it was something that I still get asked about today. Yeah,
0: yeah. but it's around, I suppose, being like stuff happens when you're building a business. Now, that is quite exactly. unique, I think, uh, uh, probably. That is very unique.
1: You can't control it. That's why this person came and said, look, I'm doing my master's, and it's about, you know, they wanted something to do about branding and how your brand suddenly can get affected by something that's not in your control. So um, that was certainly something that we didn't see coming, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah you could. Hey, bring me back to the, the, you mentioned about people the people around you. What, what do you look for in, in people besides the functionality bit of being able to do the job just talk talk a bit about about what else you look for
1: for me it's a few simple things it's it's work ethic so I just like people who knuckle down you know who, who, who get the job done I don't mind you don't have to be the brightest in the world but you have to have that. I don't know, that desire to please the client. I work in the service industry, so I'm pleasing people. I'm working for somebody. So we're providing a service to, to a client. So I think you have to have that ingrained in you that you want to provide that great service. Where I, I do come across sometimes over the years, um, that desire to, 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 to provide that service may not be there. That, that core work ethic may may maybe not there also i know it's a cliche but the team player you know actually helping your your fellow colleague when your fellow colleague is under pressure um asking them do they need help um, just those basic qualities that sometimes people think people take for granted Um, anyway that's 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 a couple of them or a few of them does that make sense james
0: yes it does I mean it's funny with a lot of the people we we, we talk with um, people are talking with that as the human that you get to work with you and that human is shaped how they're shaped so that's a nature nurture where they've come from uh, and I suppose the follow on question is how do you discover that in interview how do you see someone front you say okay that's is obviously this interview and but there's a is there a gut feel or Memory feel from a successful? Well,
1: well, I mean, I guess there's two questions. There's if I'm looking for somebody who's already been in work in working for a while, then it's it's I'm looking at a resume differently versus a 22 year old coming out. Right, that's a bit different. But if I'm if I'm taking the the 22 year old, you know, I don't mind if that 22 year old is really nervous in the interview. I think that's normal. I think you if you're not nervous. You don't care. So, you know, for if there are kids out there that are going, I'm afraid to, you know, just to, to say the wrong thing, you know, don't be. We're all expecting that. Um, so I don't mind that, you know, quality of, of being a little bit nervous at the beginning of an interview is fine. Um, you know, if I'm looking, but if I'm looking at a more experienced person um, in an interview, and how do I know that they have a good work ethic and, and a good experience? I guess from their resume, Number one, I can see if they progressed in the career, right? Um, generally, if you progress, that shows a good sign. Um, if, you know, I look at things, has this person jumped around jobs a lot over their resume? Um, you know, that's generally a negative sign for me. I don't mind so much when you're younger because you're going to have to find your way when you're younger. You're going to have to move around a bit. But I guess as you get a little bit more mature, you do want to see that, you um, you do want to see the, a bit of loyalty there that you, that you stick around with the firm that has hired you for a decent period of time and, and you, you don't jump ship too quickly.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it, it does, yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it, very much so. And uh, however, I would notice now in my recruiting side, particularly maybe the kind of tech companies, people jump very quickly and it's, it's okay. I uh, maybe because they get knowledge and a new bit of knowledge comes out. And they have to move to get that knowledge because in sometimes the knowledge two, two companies ago is now redundant because that new knowledge has just changed completely. So it's just something, yeah. maybe it's a generational thing.
1: Yeah, it's generational, but I guess it, it can be the business you're in. And you're correct in that when I see the technology side, I do see more jumping around than say the finance side. Um, and and it's, it's for the reasons you said, but if you're in the finance side, um, yeah, fine. If you have opportunities, better opportunities, great. But at the same time, I think that, you know, what I've seen over the years are over expectation. You come in and suddenly you want to be promoted after a year or two or you want a new you know, And you've got a lack of self-awareness there that maybe you're not ready and maybe you need a bit of patience. Um, you know, I think that was one of the things I did well over over my career is that, You know, I eventually got to the positions that I wanted to get to, but I didn't I didn't do it in an aggressive manner. Like I didn't, if I didn't get my way, I didn't leave and everything else. So I think there's a bit of in between there where you have to you have to be careful, right?
0: Did you have mentors, Brian? Along the way?
1: I did. I did. I had some I had some great mentors. And I think if I think about what they meant for me. Um when I mentioned earlier about that that client service centric kind of model, um, I think that was, you know, I can think of at least two of my mentors that were were really strong on that in that area, but they were also really strong about client service and responsiveness doesn't come at all at all costs. In other words, there has to be a mutual respect between, mutual trust and respect between you and the client and if the client isn't giving you the same mutual trust and respect then they were strong enough as my mentors to actually either address it strongly or either break ties so that was something i learned quite a bit along the way is yes you know revenue is great but at the same time it's you need to have that mutual trust and respect between you and the client i got you got you yeah
0: and any other the mentors? Any other kind of? Were you conscious of the mentoring, or some you know, or or was it accidental?
1: Um, I'd say it was more accident, accidental. I think there was a loyalty there. The word loyalty comes around a lot. There was a loyalty there where, if you if you're lucky enough to work with people who who are loyal to you, you'll be loyal to them. Um, so if I was to think about the, men- the mentors I had, they, were, they had empathy for their staff, they had loyalty to their staff. So I learned, I guess, those two traits, which I, I, I hold strongly, loyalty and empathy um, from, from my mentors. And it, it was accidental. It was just watching them and, and, and how they behaved. they worked every day how they dealt with situations yeah so it wasn't something that they suddenly forced on my neck or anything like that you know
0: okay networking yeah must be important in in a business like yours
1: it is it's funny um i do want. i i do you know people were talking about the pandemic and how things have changed james right um but in a way, you could probably argue that you've seen more of your clients now than you've ever had because of the virtual the, the change to virtual. So I think network, networking has probably become even more important because of the ease that it is now to, you know before people would think you have to travel to somewhere to meet somebody, you have to. Now you can virtually network, right quite a bit. Um, but also the young, it's the younger generation, James, right? You must come across it all the time younger generation they've been networking a lot you know for a lot longer than we were when we were young we didn't have the technology et cetera you know it's always been important but I think they have a a far more you know they're far more savvy when it comes to technology when it comes to um, the importance of of networking um, I don't know what do, what what do you think what are you finding in in in, in your interactions yeah it, it's interesting
0: because the, I suppose, online networking works, but sometimes being in someone's physical presence, other stuff happens. That's the first thing. And yeah. there, there's, I think online or technology makes it easier to connect with people, to get to talk to people, to get in front of people. And you see the success of, 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 of software companies in effect in making, in making that happen. Um, I, I'm just not sure how one develops networking skills because like yeah. Derek Kenny who, who I mentioned earlier to you, one of our, yeah. our his, his first job was for Goethe uh, knocking on 100 doors a day to try sell, um, uh, to sell donations to charity and his metric was right. knocking on a 100 doors 10 will open I'll make one sale now that's an extreme but you know it's interesting that so I, I, I'm just not sure how that plays out
1: well it it, it... It is difficult because the it puts the people who are better at better at networking at a bit of a disadvantage. To be honest, um, you know we've had. I can certainly see that for any any business, if you're trying to raise money, getting in getting in front of somebody, facing somebody, no one's going to give you the money unless they meet you face to face, right? So it it is a challenge um, to the pandemic. So you're not going to get away from like you said, the, the face-to-face meetings, I think the virtual side is, can supplement all that, but it's never going to replace it. right? You have to have that one-on-one uh, relationship, right?
0: I I, I I think so, but again, maybe I'm... I, I've got to be careful to talk about age, but maybe I'm at a stage, but my, my sense of, of um, people like to uh, deal with people, you know, uh, uh, and I don't know that's going to change uh, I'm not sure uh, the the uh, you know you can meet somebody in a screen and you can meet them in person, which I have and 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 it's a whole different vibe and a whole It's not the same. It's not the same. Is it? It's not the same. But I, I'm wired old school in that sense, so maybe that's what's getting in the way. But I, of course, I am brave to technology. Even us doing this by technology is 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 a fabulous fabulous uh, yeah. uh, thing thing to do.
1: No, I, when I was I was thinking earlier as well when you mentioned about the you know, the, the younger generation and the advice kind of you give them if they were starting, starting out. Like I, what, one of the key things I would say as well is, is if you're going to a new job, a lot of the, a lot of people will, will expect all the training to come from the coaching they call it, you know, to come from the manager and they'll wait for the manager to coach and they'll wait, they'll wait. You know, my advice to the younger generation and to anyone going into a new job would, be, make things happen yourself. You know, go to your manager and say, I'd like coaching in this area. I'd like it in this area, I'd like it in that area. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of, um, if you wait for someone to, to give you the direction, it may not happen as quickly as you'd like it. Just be a little bit more proactive and sort of go after it yourself. Does that make sense?
0: Well, that's, that, that's, that's great, great advice. If you didn't take the path uh, you took work-wise, and someone <laughs> told me today, I think you're quite a, quite a good golfer. Uh, would you would you become a professional golfer?
1: Oh, I would have loved to. Be, well, at the time, I would have loved to have become. And now, I, now, now I see it's a little bit. It, it's yeah. I was from nine years of age to eighteen. I think that was my dream for sure, James. Um, I look back, and you know, I was pretty good. But I look back. I look at now. how my kids swim, and and they do four hours training a day. And I look back when I was you know, trying to make it as a golfer, you know, I wasn't doing that kind of training, you know, that kind of, it's funny when you compare different sports and you see what, what, what your kids go through. Um, I think sport for me was a huge, you know, shaped my, my character hugely. So I I would, you know, you don't have to be great at sport, but I think it's great to take part, um, in any, in any kind of way. Um, I love playing golf. I love playing rugby. Um, you know, I ended up. I'm, I'm proud to be president of one of the ro- local rugby clubs here in Bermuda. Um, I think if, if you know, I also, I also had a, a, had aspirations as a young young kid. We were, we did quite a bit of musicals in school and singing and dancing. So, a Broadway star James would have been would have been a great thing to be.
0: <laughs> Gosh, that would have been think that would be. I'd love to have seen that. Well, I suppose what you're saying is you you have to dream. And there's nothing, there's and you know you can do like if you, unless okay, if you have a go, uh, I think that's really the message, you know. Well, have um, a go. I mean, when I was
1: 20, you know, 26, coming from a small firm, you know, I was going back then. You know, you, you were you were one of a, one of many, and 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 just having just having the uh, taking having a go, like you said, and going to Bermuda, for example, taking that risk. I mean, that was looking back, it was scary. I was, you know, basically earning no money when I left, when I left uh, Ireland. Um, You know, you're coming over on your own. You know, it's, 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 it's a tough thing. Um, But looking back, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what I've done. But I, I think, you know, when I also think about it, it's, it's about, I was fortunate to obviously meet my wife here and and, and, and create a family I think looking back you know that was very important for me I much I know for a fact I wouldn't have been as successful in my career if I hadn't met my wife when I did um, she definitely had a calming influence on me um, and she she definitely reigned me in at times when I needed to be so you know I like I, I definitely uh, enjoyed myself in the early days which was good you know play hard work hard but um, I think it's important to have the balance, and, and me meeting my wife uh, Lana at the time, and then the family. There's no doubt about it. That balance was was a huge support for me, and you know. So that's it, it, there's a lot of things that go into that go into making making it. You know, James.
0: Okay, workplace stress, Brian. How do you how do you navigate
1: it? Great question. Um, you know, even for me, I, I still find it, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, I think it's real. I think it's not something that you should ignore, um, especially after the pandemic. I think people ended up working quite a bit more hours around, you know, in, in every job um, than, than they did before. Um, you know, how do you handle it? You know, you have to try and get that work-life balance. I think like you, whether it's playing a sport or, or having a hobby outside of work, um, you know, I haven't found the the magic answer myself. You know, I'm, if you can recommend, I'm <laughs> I'm glad to hear it.
0: Well, maybe over a pint we can have a, <laughs> a, 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 a discussion over the next over the next couple of days, possibly. No, it's it's something that um, I've been listening to a podcast with a guy called Adam Grant, who I think was an Olympic. Uh, he's, just, he's a kind of professor in one of the big 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 schools in the U.S. I think he was a diver in the olympics but he's just very uh um he's just on on point and the way he delivers it is on point he talks about we've all some of us have been languishing um over the last year because of COVID, and 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 that sense of just being stuck and everything just kind of going slowing down and your brain being foggy uh and um and you'll find that i i find a lot of younger people of course because they've just been on screens like i've been on screens but that's all they've known Maybe coming into the workforce just on screens. And particularly maybe like some of the younger colleagues of yours who are doing NAVs and doing some accounts and recs and stuff like that. If that's a hard, that must be a hard thing to do. And then if you get frustrated, how you, how you, uh, uh, how you temper that being an employer or being a boss, how do you support them?
1: Yeah, no, completely. And, and it, it is around that. I mean, I found, you know, through, the, through the pandemic, you've definitely had to have more meetings with your people um, listening. You know, you have always have to listen, but I think it's, you've got to be more attentive to how, the, how they are doing and how they are doing, you know, personally. Um, again, it goes back to being that empathy idea, James, where I think, you know, I was fortunate, like I said, that the bosses I liked, the bosses I worked for that, that had that kind of style I liked, you know, there are other, I think it's good that this type of manage, management style is becoming more common where it's not the, the more aggressive, you know, non, no empathy type direction. I think the, the more, uh, the manager that actually cares about the staff and shows it is, is becoming more popular um, at, the CEO, at the CEO level. That's what I'm seeing anyway. Um, but that's been huge in our firm. Um, just to self, just making sure that you're doing okay, just checking in on them, you know, making sure things are all right. That's the little things like that, you know.
0: It's important. Any funny stories to date um, over your career to date you want to share? Say mistakes you've made uh, and how you felt about it and what happened? Um,
1: I think. Well, I mentioned a couple of funny ones already, but the, I think if I if I were to go on a mistake, not a mistake, but something I learned from would be, I guess when we were starting up our own firm years ago. Um, so you know, you're going back to the 15 years ago now. Maybe being a little bit less conservative, if that makes sense. So maybe making a bit more riskier decisions that might have made a difference in growing quicker. Um, But when I look back at it, you know, I was a CFO at the time. Um, You know, as a CFO, you need to be conservative. That needs to anyway. But I guess maybe it would have helped if I would surrounded myself with somebody who was less conservative. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, in other words, work with complementary skill sets. So make sure you're working with people that that aren't the same as you. Right. You don't want to have people the same as you because that's never going to help you or help them. Um, so I think I learned that from that experience is to make sure, you know, even though looking back, I wouldn't call it a mistake, but maybe I could have done a better job. Um, but also it, I learned that, yeah, just, just surround yourself by people that don't have the exact same skill set as you. Right. Um, you know, that, that's what I would say. I know you put me on that. You put me on the drop, the line there with the, the funny stories, um, you know, I, I, give me give give me, give me, a chance. But I guess funny stories about you were thinking more about mistakes. Um, well, let me share one with
0: you. And I've shared it before. Yeah, let's share what it means. Maybe in the front um, of my mind, you know. I, I had a, a Japanese client and it was our first uh, first meeting of this, the, the main person uh, called Kukuchi-san of uh, a company called Oryx. And this is 30 years ago. And I had been versed by the Irish CFO, of the company, how I should greet this Japanese man. And there's a particular ritual with the business cards.
1: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: They, they will give you the business card. You look at it and it'll be in Japanese and in English. You flip it over and you, thank you, you put it down and then you give them your business card and you present it across in a very kind of very formal way and a sli- slight bow and slight to the, he's the more senior person in the room. So I had practiced this and practiced. Practice my young kids at the time. That I think they have memories of it. They thought this was a game. Was like, What's Daddy doing now? <laughs> so we got to the day, and this this man came in, and he was about four foot two. That threw me a little bit because he was tiny. He was like a he was he was like a kid. So I uh, he gave me his card. I looked at it, and I said, "Thank you very much, uh, Aragashi, uh, uh, uh and then I put it down. Then I had mine in my suit pocket, the outside pocket. So I said, that's great. I have this sus, I'm going well. Came in, <laughs> popped, and I popped it across to him. And as I was putting his hand, I said, my business card is in green. Uh, what I'd done, i gave him my dark ticket. And I was passed across my dark ticket to him. Oh, my as Lord. <laughs> as, as my business card and my head inside. And this is a big, big deal for us. And but I saw in his eyes, there was just a, there was a smile, a little smile. So I said, I'm terribly, I'm terribly sorry, Kikuchi-san. I've just given you my train ticket. Do you mind if I give you my real business card? Which I did and, and observed all the protocols. And he said, thank you very, arigato. Thank you very much. Apparently, that story was told all, all through the offices. The Irish fellow who, who uh, gave his train ticket to the boss. Well, we got the business. But I, I think, looking, looking back at it, it was because I corrected it the right way with great respect. I respected the process. I think that's what all that, that was about. So that was a story that I've never done it again. I'm just so careful where I put my dark ticket or train tickets, but it doesn't go in the top pocket again.
1: Well, you were lucky because I, I have made a mistake where I've given a card to, you know, to, a, to a prospective uh, uh, employer or a client, but I gave the card that I got from another client so, but I never had the chance to go back and switch the card. So at least, at least you got yours fixed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great, Brian. How five words to describe your career to date? Okay.
1: Got well. I've I got to I guess. Start with uh, fortunate. You know, I think. You know, you'd all be silly if you didn't think things happen. You were lucky, the right place, at the right time. Sometimes, um, I, I guess, opportunistic. So. You and I talked about that on this on the podcast that you have to be ready to to take an opportunity when it comes your way. You know, sometimes those opportunities won't come around again. So I think that I've done a decent I've done a decent job at taking opportunities when they've come my way. Um, I would say collaborative. Um, That's been my style, uh, James, over the years. I think that came from you know being a rugby captain play my golf sport you know I've always had that, that sort of team management um, mixing with people uh, collaboration basically you know has always been, the, been I would say part of my career um, I would say strategic you know we talked about the young the young people you know when I think about back strategic wise I would see when I'm working in a group I would see right I want, to be, I want to go here. Um, I want to go to another level. How do I do that? Do I wait for my manager to, to, to promote me? Or, you know, what do I do here? So what I would do strategically, I would say, okay, I'm doing this job. For me to do this job, maybe I need to hire somebody below me in this, in this area to complement me um, and complement the other team. So then that would give the chance of the team below me to also get... Uh, to do my job and I would do another job but I think you've got to think strategically in your own job don't always wait for your for your boss to come up with the ideas you know how how could you make the job better for yourself so I think strategically I've, I've done a decent job over the years and I would say the last thing I would say that would sum me up would be in my career I hope well, what would be fun I think you have to have a bit of fun with the hard work um Sometimes people would say I've mixed the fun too much with the hard work, but, uh, you know, wh- whatever we've got there. Um, I think you've got to have a bit of a laugh and you've got to laugh at yourself, James. You've got to be able to, you know, don't get, don't get too big ahead. Um, have fun. You know, life isn't always going to go your way and uh, enjoy it,
0: right? Well, there's some crying there. Great, wise yeah. words for anyone listening. Uh, and fun also, particularly coming out of COVID, is to have a laugh. to hear the energy of somebody and to laugh at yourself as well but brian i'm conscious of your time and i really appreciate you taking the time to come come on the show today i want to thank you very much
1: thank you james it's been a pleasure and again i really appreciate the time that you've done here today and hopefully it's helpful to to whoever's listening a little bit anyway thanks brian thanks james
0: Thank you for listening to The Career Scoop, brought to you by Elevate Career Advice and Elevate Executive Selection, Dublin and Bermuda. I'm James Fitzsimons, and I hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye.